Hello, goblins. We want to know more about you, our listeners, so we can try to get some sponsorship to support our network and our creators. We love podcasting and putting out content, but it can be financially strenuous, as we're sure many of you know. Head to cavegoblins.com slash survey and answer some quick questions to be in the draw to win a $20 Amazon gift card. Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pester me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. I was going to write an intro for her, but I feel like she's had way more experience doing it than I have. I'm joined today by Megan Russell. Or is it Megan? It's Megan. It's but Me- I'm joined it- today by Megan Russell. <laughs> Hello. It's okay. I know enough people who say Megan instead, so it's fine. I, I allow it, but it is Megan. All right. Uh, good to know. I'll try not to slip up. H- how's it going? Good. Good so far. Yep. Uh, so you're the producer, writer, and director of The Actress Diaries. I am. Uh, for the listeners, how would you describe that project? The Actress Diaries is a mockumentary web series created by Lisa Hughes, who's a wonderful comedy gem. Uh, and it follows the misadventures of two young, unsuccessful actresses living in Hollywood North, trying to balance auditions and love and peanut butter. <laughs> so it's a fun little series, very much of the hangout mockumentary style of you're just following two people around in their lives. And you say Hollywood North, uh, referring to Vancouver? Yes. Is it uh, based on your own experiences? No, I am definitely not an actor. Um, But it is based loosely on some experiences that Lisa, the creator, has had. And um, Kate Bateman, who plays her best friend and roommate, uh, is also an actress in town. And so they definitely pulled from some real-life experiences for some of the scenes that we had in the show. And how long has that show been going for? Uh, It's been in production for, I think... I think we're at four or five years now, but it's been a bit of a slow burn, right? The first season uh, came out quite a while ago, and then I came on for the second season, um, and the third season we filmed um, uh, last year and uh, released it. So, uh, yeah, it's a good one. Cool. I haven't had the chance to check that one out yet, but I definitely will. It sounds cool. It's worth a giggle. I'd like to know a little bit more about the the Vancouver industry as well. I hear horror stories from some of my guests on here. Oh, um, well, I've been working in film and television pretty much since I moved over to Vancouver, so about seven years ago now. Um, I've done everything from on-set PA to office PA to script uh, coordinating, visual effects coordinating, and now I work in animation. So um, my experience has always been pretty good, but, you know, working in live action, it's those long hours, right? But you kind of, you love what you do, and that's why we all make film and TV. We just want to entertain people. So, yeah, I've always had a really good time, but there's definitely some some long days and some hard work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't always have to suffer for your art, but it seems like that's the uh, the norm. <laughs> well, and that's part of why I ended up moving into working in animation is that um, I, I wouldn't call it suffering, but I was suffering for other people's art. Uh, in live action on those long hours so I moved to animation because the hours are a bit more reasonable than the 15 hour days on set and so that gives me a chance to do all of my side projects all short films web series all my personal writing and what's your favorite of those multiple jobs to do is it the writing it's the writing yeah yeah that's definitely what I want to do what I am doing something I often wonder about writers uh, I've done some writing myself but nothing that's ever really made it to the end of a project what do, you, what do you enjoy more, the process of the writing or the 
fruition of it? I enjoy and hate both parts. Um, <laughs> and I think that can be said for a lot of people. I love the process until it becomes that the process isn't working for me or I have a deadline to hit and I'm hitting those roadblocks. Um, but I do, I think of the two, the process is probably what excites me the most And that, especially that germination of when you first think of like a really great scene or a really great period piece of dialogue and you get it on the page and you're like oh I'm so I'm so great and funny <laughs> and that's really one of the best feelings oh yeah uh so let's talk about party favor uh, it made it into the second round of the 2016 Austin Film Festival screenplay competition yes. and was one of six features from across Canada selected for the Whistler Film Festival producers lab uh, what can you tell us about that project? Yeah, Party Favor is uh, so it's a feature that I'm developing with Amanda Verhagen, who is a producer here in Vancouver. She and I have known each other since our university days. She approached me a few years ago and said, look, I want to make a female-driven comedy, and I want to make it with you. And I, was, I said, great, I'll come up with something. It's actually based on a web series idea that I had when I was in university, and um, the premise of it is that, you know, Paisley is about to graduate college and she finds out she's a credit short. So she enlists the help of this hacker to help her cheat her way into her last grade. And he challenges her to win the tri-party tournament in exchange for the favor. And the idea is a kind of bit of a throwback to the 90s party movies of like Can't Hardly Wait, right? Where it's like one night, one goal to get it all, to win the girl, to whatever it is. But I flipped it around and it's about, uh, it's a female driven comedy instead. And it is one night and one goal, but it's a bit more about the prize and the satisfaction of herself and her own education than it is about like a guy. Yeah, I was, I was going to say it's, it sounds similar premise to things like uh, Animal House or Avenger the Nerds. but Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the vibe I'm going for. So it's been a wild, uh, cool project to be on. It's really developed. I mean, like you said, it was in the Whistler Producers Lab. Um, and that was such a great opportunity for Amanda and I to get feedback. And I truly believe that it took the script from being something that was like a made-for-TV fun little romp to something that could really do well and, and see a wide wider audience can people find that online no it is still in development right now oh right yeah yeah um yeah but we we've had a, a lot of really cool success with it and i also won uh the best coming of age screenplay at the broad humor film festival this year with the with the screenplay so we're hoping that'll help to garner some attention cool so if, if anybody's listening <laughs> isn't that what everybody says as soon as they get on a podcast they're like so if anybody has money can you please send it to me because i want to make stuff <laughs> i mean that's what we we say uh, all the time even doing the podcasts <laughs> but yeah look maybe let, let's do a 50 50 split yeah sounds good yeah <laughs> finder's but, fee <laughs> can we talk about the this undead life yes so This Undead Life is an animated series that I developed with a dear uh, friend and incredibly talented voice actress that I know, uh, Rona Reese. And um, she came to me with the idea that uh, we wanted to create cool, fun content that um, was great for people like her nieces who are consuming material now and we want them to have something that's really inspiring and really girl power. Um, so This Undead Life is about Seraphim, a young teenage zombie who wants her pulse back. So she befriends nerdy Euphemia and enrolls in middle school in disguise to try and figure out a way to undo her zombiness. 
uh, secret agents are after her. The vice principal is suspicious of her. And it's about the two of them on this adventure trying to get through regular middle school life and also zombie life. Is that still going? It's still, in, yeah, it's still in development. Um, we took that series to the Ottawa International Animation Festival, um, and we were part of, we were in the top 10 for the Pitch This competition, and we pitched, and it was a great experience. I mean, ultimately, we didn't make it, but we've continued with the project, continued developing, continued finding other ways that we can put that out there, because um, we, we really believe in the content of it and the story and we think there's really something there you know it, it really sparks something in people when we talk about it it's good to hear i mean often you hear about people not making it through a competition with something and then just abandoning the project so the pain that brings along yeah i i definitely can understand where those people are coming from but for me i just can't quit i can't let it go once i've got something and i you know i love it as much as I love these projects, I'm, I don't think I can ever put them down. So, you know, it is a long, slow process in some cases, you know, that not all of us get that lightning bolt in a bottle moment where somebody just looks at it and says, of course, this is amazing. But uh, yeah, no, it's something that I keep striving for. Well, looking forward to seeing that when it comes out. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we're saying when. <laughs> uh, so you voiced, uh, you voiced the eponymous Frost Cricket in a yet unreleased series of episodes of Tales of Frost Cricket. Without giving anything away, what can you tell us about that experience? Uh, that experience was crazy. That was the first time that I've ever recorded anything as like a voice actor, like in a way. Like I, I don't do a ton of acting, although I am around actors all the time. But I, I feel like my place is definitely behind the camera, behind the screen. But at the same point, it was such a cool experience to be uh, recording that and thinking about, you know, from a character perspective, because that's where I come from as a writer, right? Like, what is this character thinking? What are they doing? How are they speaking like that? And it was a really cool way to kind of branch out a bit and, um, and try some new skills. So it was a really intense couple episodes. When they come out, I feel like everybody should really check it out because uh, I really brought my A game. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be on a future episode as well. I'm pretty excited for that. Nice. Um, I'll, I'll be playing, uh, actually, I won't say because I don't know how much of it is is quiet, uh, but it's a great podcast to listen to. I think there's two episodes out now. Have yeah. you listened to any of them? Yes, I have. I've really enjoyed what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I guess we can say my character name since it's in the title. Yes. <laughs> so p playing Frost Cricket, what, how did you interpret the character? I interpreted, well, you know, I didn't stray too far from my own voice necessarily, but I definitely brought it to this place of, you know, she's described as a bit of an older woman. She's seen some things, man. She's She's been places. So definitely tried to bring some of that wizened uh, attitude to the performance uh, while also kind of keeping it a little chill because it, it is meant to be a, a, a little a bit of a funny series. So tried not to get too serious with it in some of the places, but yeah. That one will be coming out eventually, I guess. I think they're episode five and six even. I think so, yeah. Uh, I've heard uh, that you originally wanted to be a playwright. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, so in high school, I was in drama and I was on stage all the time and, and I, I really loved it then. But um, I think that I kind of figured out with the help of my drama teacher, Mr. Hugh Anderson, that being on stage wasn't actually what I was meant to do. I was more interested in like the lines and thinking about the character than actually playing the character. Um, and, <laughs> and so he kind of helped me find that a little bit and how I was more interested in sort of what was going on like behind the scenes than I was with what was on stage. But I really loved 
being in that and I thought for sure that I was going to write plays. I was like, that's great. I love theater. This is what I'm going to do. And I went to college and I took, I didn't know really what I was doing. So I took some general studies courses and I took a course uh, that was playwriting and the teacher gave me a bit of feedback that basically at the bottom line was like, you know what? I don't really think this is for you. And I got really mad about it. And so I decided to apply to the University of Victoria to go to their creative writing program instead. And I got in and the first semester I took playwriting. They do like a playwriting and um, screenwriting kind of hybrid mini course. And I did the playwriting and it was fine. But then I did the screenwriting and it was like my mind was blown. It was like it all opened up for me. And I suddenly realized that like I wanted to do playwriting because I wanted to tell those kind of narrative stories. But I've been a movie and TV junkie all my life. And so when I started actually looking into what it took to write a screenplay, it all fell into place for me. And that's I just ran with it. Have you ever produced or written any any plays since then? No, I've done a few uh, monologues. Uh, I have a tendency to write these really cutesy little monologues, like basically from the perspective of children. I think uh, children have a really interesting way of looking at things and and sort of observing the the day to day. And uh, so I've done a few monologues since then, and it's been for you know little things or for friends who are looking for some material. But ultimately, no, I've really shied away. I love going to the theater. I think everybody should, but uh, I don't write for it anymore myself. Come aboard and bring along all your hopes and dreams because we're taking you on a Patreon-exclusive journey through the epic of One Piece. That's right. We'll be tackling the almost 1,000-episode anime One Piece, 10 episodes at a time. Compass left behind, it'll only slow us down. We're not allowed to take notes or research anything during this project, so let's see where the wind takes us. Catch our new podcast, 1,000 Pieces, only on patreon.com slash cavegoblins. There's always room for you if you want to be our friend. We are, we are on the cruise. We are. Well, do you have any projects in the pipeline that uh, you'd like to or are allowed to talk about? Uh, projects in the pipeline right now. My main focus is party favor. Um, we're, uh, trying to apply for some funding so we can further our development. Uh, other things that are in the pipe, I'm still developing, uh, this undead life with Rona. We're trying to figure out other, other places to take it, other people to hear it. I've got a short film called The Roommate that's been doing really well in the film festival circuit this year. I wrote that a couple of years ago. It's a cute little short mockumentary, but otherwise in terms of new projects, my main focus right now now is you know as a screenwriter I want to get an agent and so I'm really focused on trying to build up my portfolio a bit more I've got some really strong projects behind me and it's about rounding that out to try and get some attention before the show I asked Megan about a comedic influence to talk about today and she came back with Broad City co-creators Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer so what do they mean to you they mirror the exact career trajectory I hope for myself (laughs) so um Abby and Alana made a brilliant web series that Amy Poehler deemed good enough to executive produce and then they got a show on Comedy Central. I mean, of course, I'm boiling it down a little bit, but uh, that's really what I would love to happen to me. And um, the type of comedy that they make really resonates with me in terms of what I want to be creating. Strong female leads, strong humor, um, just really like going for it being funny because life is funny, not necessarily because it's like, they are over the top, but it's not like a super 
campy thing. Um, so yeah, that's what they mean to me. They're very inspiring. Yeah, I was blown away the first time I saw Broad City. It's not like anything else. Yeah. And you know, like leading, leading into this and thinking about some of my favorite episodes, like I was watching some clips the other day and like this stuff still makes me laugh. And I've seen the series like a few times, like stuff like Abby drop kicking a rotisserie chicken and like all this, like, you know, running through the city. I mean, I guess most of the episodes they're running through New York, but you know, it just, it's such a fun, uh, lighthearted and also very like real series to watch. It's one of the more, yeah, like you were saying, real reflective, dare I say, sitcoms. Uh, yeah. out there right now like of the being in your late 20s not quite financially stable basically abby jacobson is very good at playing a hot mess yes she is she definitely is yeah so they came from ucb upright citizens brigade beforehand which uh, might have helped with the with the old uh amy polar connection i think so i think don't they probably all have just like secret power rings that they just activate and then they all know like oh it's okay they're in the club like i'm pretty sure that's what happens something like that maybe something more nefarious with some hoods or cowls i think yeah you're right yeah yeah. ucb has been under fire recently for uh not paying the teachers and things oh i didn't know that which is unfortunate uh i really like going to ucb I went to UCB in New York where they come from before this show had come out and it was amazing watching the show and seeing all the people I'd seen on stage being in there because just thinking that thinking of them as uh it's kind of like with the improv world you get these the obviously high level royalty from back in the second city days and then the, the current royalty of the people like Matt Besser and Amy Poehler and Nick Kroll and you know dare I say Aziz Ansari yeah but then it's like they're the were almost the level down so it felt closer to where i was right so it was it felt a lot more relatable i guess i guess being in the same age as well helps that definitely helps yeah and you know like i love that like they met there and and decided to make content together and just like it blossomed and it's interesting like i told my little story about like oh i got some feedback that i didn't like and then i was like screw you i'm gonna go somewhere and do it anyways and that happened to I think it was Abby who got some feedback on a sketch that somebody was like oh I'm not sure and she was like man I really want to make it and then Alana was like then make it and then like you know it kind of it kind of sparks that place of like you know if you want to do something you truly believe in it like then just make it because I feel like people's passion carries them a lot further than you know like there's something to be said for marketability but there's something to be said for just being like so into something that other people get excited about it with you yeah Absolutely. I mean, the hardest part is actually just making something in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's obviously other hard parts later, but I know I was sitting on the idea of starting a podcast since uh, 2012. Oh. I had my first podcast pilot. And um, now we're doing it and it's happening. Yeah, look at you now. You got all sorts of shows. We got four microphones. <laughs> got four microphones. There's double the microphones to people in here. That's true. There's actually <laughs> another microphone as well that's There's not plugged f- in. There's five. Oh my goodness. And then a field recorder too. I'm expecting the closet to open and just avalanche of microphones onto us. It's actually not that far off of what's <laughs> in there. I can show you after. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I put here that since its premiere in 2014, uh, Broad City has performed well, averaging 1.2 million viewers per episode, becoming Comedy Central's highest rated first season since 2012 among the younger demographics, including adults ages 18 to 34, which I, I think is that sort of golden demo like that Seinfeld fit into 
Yes. And things as well. Yes. Talking about marketability. Yeah, definitely. No, for sure. Yeah, man. It's just like it's a comedy powerhouse. And, you know, and the final season just started. I think it's last week they had their first episode of season five. And I'm just heartbroken that it's ending. But also I love that it's ending because it means that they're going to keep going out and making more stuff and, and just, you know, keep creating for us. So obviously Abby Jacobson's working on Disenchantment now as well, mm-hmm. which is yeah. really cool. It's it's uh, not what we're talking about today, but <laughs> I guess if we're talking about Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about both of them. Yeah, Abby's been in Disenchantment. Alana's been in some films and she's um, both of them now are producers at Comedy Central, from what I understand, and are continuing to like help others now develop series that are going to go on Comedy Central. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think that's really dope. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Also on Broad City, I love Hannibal. Yes, as of well the tie-in is as well to uh, Eric Andre. Yeah, he's just such a good straight foil. Yeah, to everything. But Link- <laughs> that like Lincoln is such a. I just love that character and like the like and Hannibal just does such a good job. Of course, I've seen Hannibal. Uh, he came to Vancouver. I think it was last year. I saw him and just like I was in stitches the whole time. He was so funny. Uh, it looks like you've got uh, a lot more notes than I do. First guest to come in with notes. I appreciate that. <laughs> It was, you know, I came in with I came in with some notes because I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget anything. Because, like, I, like I was saying, I I do have some microphone anxiety. So, like, there's something about being close to this to this device that makes me freeze up. So, I think it's actually more of like a security blanket than anything else. That I just wanted to make sure that I remembered what I came here to talk about. Um, well, you're doing very well. <laughs> Thanks. My last note here, actually, I've just written "Yas Queen." <laughs> Because I, I'm pretty sure they coined that, right? I'm pretty sure they did. Like, I don't, I, I mean, you know, I don't know how accurate we can get with the receipts on who started Yas Queen, but that, that's the first At the very place. least, they popularized, yeah. popularized it. Yeah, definitely. That's the first place I remember. And it's funny that you bring that up. For my birthday this year, one of my very best friends got me a birthday cake. And when they asked him what he wanted on the cake for me, he was like, just put Yas Queen. <laughs> and they did. And it was amazing. I loved it. <laughs> That made me think of that plot line in 30 Rock where they run the scam with Kelsey Grammer's birthday cakes. Oh my God, yes. I love that episode. It's I just love anything that uh, has Kelsey Grammer in it. Yeah, you know what? I am a fan. I am a fan for sure. I don't know if there's some big inside joke among UCB people with Kelsey Grammer because there's the whole thing like uh, in Kroll show when they make like, Dr. Armand's best friend is Kelsey Grammer. Oh, really? I haven't they seen it. Oh, it's great. But they, uh, that's, I guess that's kind of a running meme on here is that I always seem to bring up Kroll Show or uh, Comedy Bang Bang. Oh, great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe I should try and bring up Broad City more. Maybe there's, you a, should. there's a lot of connections in there. There as is. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Six degrees of separation from Broad City. It's I don't think I hard. watched season four. I need to get on that. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. And that episode where they go to Florida. Yeah, I've I definitely haven't there. seen that. I've seen that gated community. It is so accurate and hilarious. I loved it. Well, I'll definitely have to check that one out. Yeah. What What else have you got on your your sheet here? Let's Let's keep this <laughs> well, this fire burning. You'll cut You'll cut some of this out. Honestly, man, I wrote down my own log lines because I was like, "Am I going to get in there and not remember what I write?" <laughs> like, so like I wrote down like what I'm doing and like another one of my animated series. But um, this undead life has had more. Uh, like noticeable success so it was good to bring that one up well I don't know this might be a cute story you can fit it in wherever you want I was thinking about like like what type of people make comedy and how 
comedy brains work because like basically we're always just like looking for a laugh and we crave it right and so I watched this episode of comedians and cars getting coffee and it was Jerry Seinfeld and John Oliver and at one point they were talking about their wives and John was like does your wife like is she okay with you making jokes about her and Jerry was saying look man like she's finally she's finally getting it that like I don't believe anything I say like I, I don't actually buy into any of this and John was like so there's a series of words and you know there's a laugh at the end so you say it and Jerry's like yeah that's how my brain works. Like doesn't believe in it. Just like there's a series of words. There's going to be a laugh. So I'm going to say it. And that's, that's how his mind is. And I was like, oh my God, that's how my mind is. Like I, the, the stuff that comes out of my mouth. I just want to make people laugh. That's all I've ever wanted to do. Oh, that's a, that's a nice sentiment. Can uh, <laughs> definitely get, get some people into a lot of trouble. But <laughs> It definitely gets me in trouble all the time. And yet I can't seem to stop. I don't know. Yeah. Don't learn my lesson on that one. Well, you're following the right path for it, I think. I think so. <laughs> is there anything you want to plug? Before we wrap up yeah uh you can follow me on twitter at megan and russell that's where i post all my stuff about my web series or how my scripts are doing or where you can find me and so if you're looking to see some of my content that's the best place to go to find me great well thanks so much for coming tonight thanks so much for having me i had a great time thanks for listening everybody be sure to follow us on all social media at cave goblins and check out what we're doing over on cavegoblins.com Please rate and review the show on iTunes. It's absolutely the best way to support the show at no cost. You can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere you listen. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist. I'm Doug Vandelay. See you next time. Mm-hmm.